With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do at this time, let's say hello and welcome to our co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Hello, Mr. Egan. How are you, sir? I'm doing good. You know, I'm uh, warm, I'm dry. It's been wet out here, but it's been nice. We need the rain. Uh, how about yourself? What any anything else? Well, uh, you have anything new here? I, I will have to apologize in advance to to all our listeners. I know I sound like Mabel, your your aunt Mabel, that you know smoked for forty years. But uh, I was in the I was in the high desert up there for a week, and then I came back down and got diverted right to the border to to fly a mission down there. And uh, I got to tell you. Uh, the, the desert and the dust apparently doesn't agree with me. Mm. Lots of dust in the desert. <laughs> yes, yes. So, um, as we always do, I'm looking for some commentary from you for any any news stories you might have, you know, come across this week. Anything catch your eye, or were you just out of out of reach of the the new media, as it were? Well, and I, I wasn't totally out of reach, and and I got to tell you one thing that I am noticing a trend on is uh, I, I think the the bloom is off the rose when it comes to quad rotors. I think everybody knows now that you know you've got uh, it, it's a it's a limited capability set there that works well in the short term. But I think I see a swing back to the fixed wing side of it. Now, granted, there's a lot of fixed wings that are coming out hybrid. But by the same token, I think there, that people are realizing that if you want to go more than an hour, you're going to have to have a fixed swing. And I, I see that, that pendulum swinging back. Well, it's funny. Um, I was at this drone educator conference last Saturday, a week, week ago, and uh, the people from Parrot were there, and they had their uh, disco. And uh, I was like, you know, so how are you guys getting traction with this? Or are you getting pushback from a community that doesn't even recognize that as a drone because it doesn't have four propellers on it? <laughs> and, uh, you know, it says, well, it's funny that you say that because we are hearing that. That's not a drone. So I don't know. It's just it's kind of funny. It was all quadcopters. I'm really, uh, you know. Right tool for the job, I think. Uh, you know what? What have you you've been saying for years that the wing is the thing, but uh, you know it depends on what you're doing. So yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting uh, observation, and I, I agree with it. Anything else catch your story or your uh, eye this week? Well, <clears throat> you know, it, it, the Fuhrer seems to be dying down somewhat. 
now with uh, 107 being out and all the hysteria that we had before, I think from a regulatory standpoint, everybody is kind of getting into the groove now. I, I, you know, the the deal with uh, you know having to to apply for the NOTAM is starting to get smoother, and uh, we haven't had any issue with it. Uh, I know that uh, my guys with Drone Pilot Inc. went uh, and did a, a critical infrastructure shoot, and uh, they got their NOTAM in in 12 hours. So you know that's reasonable for a for a commercial operation, and I, I think that you know you got to hand it to the FAA. They're they're coming around and getting things done. You know, I, I was a little concerned, of course, in, in what I do, you know, search and rescue and law enforcement kind of thing. Twelve hours is still not enough, and mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm still a little concerned that you know I can't call up the tower and say, "Hey guys, we got we got an op in your area," and, and they say, "Okay, go ahead." And you know, the last time I called, they said, "Oh, we need to transfer you over to this guy," <coughs> and uh, uh, this guy's phone was busy. <laughs> Yeah, well, I you know you know it's funny too that you are uh, you know throwing some kudos the way of the FAA because uh, you know I did that I wrote a story about it people oh my god what are you doing you know it's like well you know it's not perfect but it's a lot better than it could have been so you have to throw them uh, you know a good job some some kudos their way they you know. It's tough, you know. Um, is it everything? No. Is it everything Everything want, everybody wanted? No. But I don't really think it's that bad. Now I'm starting to see uh, what I've been calling the conjecture merchants. You have a lot of people that have been talking about, oh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen. Oh, what are we going to do here? Hey, they're be, they've become irrelevant, you know. In my book, you're either a 101 or a 107, and, you know, there's a path to fly, get authorization, uh a path to get waivers, you know, is it all working fine and dandy? Well, you know, but it's uh, it's coming along. And the people that were, were making uh, money on all the the questions and whatnot, I think that's kind of, uh, that's over. They're, they're going to yeah. be looking for new jobs. Yeah, <clears throat> I think you're right. Yeah, well, I mean, there, there are a lot of people got gaffed. It, it's kind of a funny thing, uh, you know, talking to people as this deal has kind of unfolded. And I, there's kind of like a BCAD thing with the 107. Uh, and as this thing has unfolded, there's a lot of people, the phone has been ringing. Not that I'm tooting my own horn, but people were like, wow, you know, we, people said you were mad at the world, but you were actually kind of right about this stuff. So, well, you know, <laughs> uh, just kind of as I see it, I think that there's still, there's a lot of people, uh, the next six months to 18 months ought to be pretty interesting. I think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of companies out there that were drone startups that are looking for relevant who uh, really don't have anything, you know, and, and, uh, and I've been kind of beating up on people too. There's, there's more regulatory stuff going on and we have people, let's say, interfacing with the government that shouldn't be there in my estimation because they, uh, their companies are failed or they don't even have a drone company. They don't even have a software company. They got nothing. They don't have any paying customers. They get a, um, basically what amounts to a BS story. And that yeah. is starting to, uh, my goat is starting to get God on that one. I don't really know what to do. You know, I was thinking I'd just kind of hang up the whole advocacy thing, but, uh, now I'm thinking that, uh, I'd have to ride back in on that one. We'll have to see what happens, but you know, overall, I think for the, for the end user, it's good for business. I think it's good. Um, I do think it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you saw that, but, uh, Trimble kind of got out of the game. That's very oh, yeah. telling. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I still think they'll be in it with the software part of it, but I, to me, it's like, obviously somebody figured out they're a big company, a lot of smart people. Hey, um, you know, maybe we could make more money doing something else. What do you think? There's no question about it. The, the, the big guys are, are figuring out that the hardware part of it, you know, they're, they're just trucks. When you get right down to it, they're data trucks. And uh, if you want to be in the truck selling business, then, you know, that's one thing. You need to focus on it. You need to drive to it, no pun intended. But, um, uh, yeah, it's uh, they're going to fall back to software. That's, that's what's been their bread and butter, you know, just listening to that signal coming down and telling you where you're at. Yeah, it's probably a little, a uh, little bit easier too, you know. Than, I, you know, there's like a, the whole two D, three D. Uh, you know, people talk about like driverless cars or driverless trucks or automatic. You know, that's you know, I can pull over on the side of the road in the sky. Kind of gravity kicks in, physics, crashy, crashy. You know, <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. But uh, anyway, well, let's move along and. Uh, introduce our guest, Mr. Bill Carey. You out there, Bill? Yes, I am, Patrick. He's the author of Enter the Drones, the FAA, and UAVs in America. And, uh, you know, I, I got a copy, an advanced copy of your book, Bill, and I, I will say, uh, you know, congratulations for uh, getting published by Shipper. They, they make great books, um, real quality, heirloom piece, as I would call them, Um so yeah, I mean that that, that was a that was a win. How how that come about? They just uh, you pitch it and they go for it, or yeah, you love drones. You, sub, you submit a proposal to them that they evaluate and get back to you whether or not they're interested in publishing, and, and they did in this case, which I was grateful for. Well, and uh, so that would. Um, lead me into question number one, which I usually ask people is, you know, if you could give us a little bio, um, how you became involved with the unmanned aircraft subject. And obviously there must have had something going on uh, to pitch a book and these guys to pick it up. So maybe you can elucidate. Sure, sure. First of all, uh, Patrick and Gene, uh, it's a real honor and privilege to be here with you guys, uh, two real pioneers of the industry. Um, I, I started my professional life as a newspaper reporter, and for the past 10 years I've uh, worked in the aviation trade press based in Washington, D.C. Um, I'm a little bit different than than other trade press reporters in that um, I'm kind of a generalist, and uh, I covered uh, both commercial aviation and the military, so I was aware of uh, you know developments on either side of of, of those two industries as to what was happening with unmanned aircraft. Um, I also had on a, a, at least an annual basis been attending the uh, annual conference of the Association of Unmanned Vehicle Systems International, uh, which uh, I'm sure you gentlemen are, are very familiar with. It, it, it started, you know, in its early days as more of a military-focused uh, trade organization, but it's gradually evolved um, in, into, you know, sort of a hybrid military commercial type event. Uh, I also was following um, an organization that's not very well known outside of the Beltway, uh, but, but is very influential, and that's uh, RTCA, which, uh, Patrick, again, I know you're uh, familiar with. Um, they had been involved since 2004 
in drafting uh, regulations that would allow large predator-sized unmanned aircraft into the national airspace system. So I've been kind of monitoring what they were doing. That was they originally started out a, a committee called um, Special Committee 203 that was looking into that. Um, but around, uh, I think it was around 2011, 2012 time frame, there was this real bow wave of small unmanned aircraft, um, you know, entering into the system either legally or otherwise uh, that was creating a problem with the FAA. Um, and it begged the question of what, where the heck is this small unmanned aircraft systems rule that they've been promising to release since, um, I think it was 2007 time frame. And uh, which finally presented itself as Part 107 um, in, in August of this year. So that, that's kind of what kind of drew me into the whole situation. And, and I thought there was history being made here and that somebody should put it on paper. Well, I would agree with all that. And, yes, I am familiar with, with all of that. I was on the RTCA thing, uh, the 203 and there was a small subcommittee on smalls, which I was a member of, which, you know, I don't know if you ever heard that part of the story, but uh, the guy that they made the chairperson for the small subcommittee was actually the representative from ALPA. Um, you know, and nobody really floated that to me prior to his, uh, let's say, appointment. And uh, at that point, there was – there was uh, <clears throat> copious amount of grousing uh, by yours truly because uh, I thought that that was a total family program. It was BS. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yes, I uh, I am aware of that. I, I did both the ASTM and FRTCA and, and left both of those in a huff. Um, you know, but you are right. The RTCA is well known to inside the Beltway and is one of the groups that the FA uses. Um so I understand, uh, you know, it sounds like you're into aviation. Uh, you know, are you one of the guys that see uh, just even a few years ago, people were laughing at unmanned aircraft. Uh, how did you see them? Did you see them as the future of aviation or were you laughing and snickering at the uh, sideshow? No, I definitely wasn't uh, laughing at the sideshow. I, I came at it from kind of the traditional aviation industry perspective and, and the book itself is, is more a Washington, D.C.-centric type um, look at, at, at how the industry evolved. Um, I was just interested in them as gadgets, really, um, it, but they, they seem to be consuming a lot of the FAA's attention. And uh, just your mention of the, the fellow from the Airline Pilots Association kind of leading a, a working group on small unmanned aircraft systems, uh, you know, they brought traditional aviation groups, aviation interests into it early on. And, and I think the FAA would prefer or would have preferred a few years ago that uh, drones just disappear. But given that they're, they're not going anywhere, in fact, they're, they're multiplying, the FAA has decided to take ownership and, and draw in these other traditional aviation groups like the Airline Pilots Association and Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association and you know, other well-known aviation groups. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, they are um, stakeholders, you know. there's exactly. a, I've got a running joke about, you know, there's a fine line between stakeholder and bag holder. 
But um, those guys, you know, they're, most of them are doing their uh, livelihood in the sky. And, uh, you know, uh, realizing that early being, let's say, an early advocate of the commercial uh, drone thing, most of these guys had no idea. But, you know, they'd only seen a scan eagle or a predator or reaper or, you know, they, they didn't know what it was. Had no idea what the operations and applications were. It was a real uphill battle. But uh, it is kind of funny, you know, flashing back to that RTCA and that gentleman who's a friend of mine. He's a nice guy, you know, but Mm -hmm. um, I will say uh, there were a long list of him telling me, you will never. And, uh, you know, at the time I said, well, you know, never is kind of a long time. And with the 107, there's a lot of stuff in there that uh, I heard we will never, you know. Um, So I'm, uh, you know, we talked about that kind of in the beginning. I'm kind of happy about that. I'm okay with it, you know. Anything you'd like to interject, Gene? Well, no, I, I've been over here quietly keeping my coughing fits under the mute button. But uh, uh, well, you were you know, on this early, so I'm sure you got some perspective. I, I shared a lot of your frustrations. Actually, we commiserated together on on many of the things that that went down in the RTCA and and the. Uh, 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 apparent unwillingness to listen to common sense, and uh, that, that's why I'm really interested in this book to see, you know, some of the details that that you've gathered that we've lived. So I, I think that's going to be a very interesting comparison for me. Well, and and I will say, I mean, you, you Billy, you did, you did a good job. You, you you know, you really captured a lot of stuff. It must have been a, a, a you know a, a big project for you. Yeah, it was, and it was a moving target as well. Um, you know, I actually turned in the first draft of this book, um, I think it was January 2015, and then so much happened since then, including the the release of the uh, draft um, Part 107 rule that uh, I asked for the, the manuscript back and, and updated it to, to bring us up to, uh, you know, through 2015 anyway. Well, yeah, and, you know, as I mean, that's people said, oh, you know, you should write a book, blah, blah, blah. It's like, well, you're going to have to, uh, you know, make volumes to be like, okay, well, we've got this set and this set. Because it does, it just changes so much. And then there's the historical perspective that comes back into it to these things that happen and why they happen and all the rest of that. It's it's like a made-for-television movie right there with, uh, you know. Yeah, you really know, think I think there was – there was definitely some drama there, and, and most of the literature, at least up uh, until 2014, 2015 or so, concerned, uh, you know, the military's use of drones, the ethics of targeted drone strikes, and, and that was kind of all the, the public, you know, knew or was aware of, and, and, and again, that was motivation for me to try to document what was happening in terms of allowing um, commercial drones into the airspace. Yeah, that was a tragedy. Um, you know, you, you mentioned uh, the one group show. I mean, I tried to drag those people kicking and screaming since about 2008 to try and try, turn the focus off of the military drones and go commercial. And just they just would not have it. 
mm-hmm. you know, uh, and it, for, for, for me always being, you know, I do have, I did during this get some military experience with both the Navy and the army. Um, I, I didn't have a military background. I was a business guy and I'm like, man, we are just missing the boat here. But, you know, prior to uh, sequestration, everyone was fat, dumb and happy. The checks were rolling in the checkbooks were open over at the DOD and, uh, you know, it was a, it was an easy, easy trough to hit. So, um, you know, it's too bad, but whatever. Now, you know, uh, we talked about it's kind of a moving target and all the rest of that. The book was good. I do have a problem though. And it's kind of a cowbell issue that there's just not okay. enough Egan in here for me. <laughs> no. No, I, and actually, uh, Patrick, I think, you know, the, the volume two, if there ever is one would be the, the West coast centric uh, view of what's happening out there. And, and that's where you're based. And I think, uh, you know, that's really driving what's happening in the industry, you know, Silicon Valley and Intel and, you know, some of the bigger companies. It is, it is now. Um, unfortunately, you know, we, we, we missed a lot of the, the uh, early boat, you know, people are, there's a lot of hand wringing now. Oh, you know, we need to do this. We got to uh, fly beyond visual line of sight. And I want to go to the moon and all, you know, okay, well, <laughs> You know, let's 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 uh, get. I mean, I think there's a lot to work with there. We could get started. You know, uh, that's another thing. I mean, I don't know if you follow me on the Twitter, but uh, I'm a little critical of the the high tech people. Um, you know, uh, some of the military people have come out and they have been working for some of the tech companies, and I think that's a mistake because um, they're not really commercial people. And we did see this where uh, Dr. Voss left Google, and that's. I heard that yeah. wasn't so much of a leaving as you're out of here, pal. But I think when you when you look at the technology people and they're like, oh, you know, we're going to save the world with drones. It's going to be, <laughs> oh, God, we're going to do this and this. And then it comes down to candy bars on a string and delivering burritos and stuff. Just making a, as, in my estimation, you're not making yourself look very good. No, I agree. I mean, I, and I think that. Uh, that aspect of where the industry is going may, you know, it's the highest profile, the, you know, the Amazons and the Googles and and UPS and and, and whatnot. But I I don't think, I think that'll be, um, you know, follow up on other more uh, promising industry segments. Um, I I don't see, you know, Amazon, octocopters, hexcopters, quadcopters, whatever, you know, delivering um, packages to your doorstep any anytime soon. Well, it's a, you know, it, it, I, I've told people this. I've said, hey, look, you really want to do this, and you're an aviation guy, okay? You know, that's even me. I'm not really an aviation guy. I've become this aviation guy. Um, but the thing is, is you know, people are like, well, you know, what what could these guys do? Okay, hey, you, you know, Bezos is smart. You know, he he did the Cyber Monday. We're going to deliver stuff with drones. It went all around the world. Everybody was talking about Amazon. They probably sold a boatload of stuff, okay? But my thing is, is somebody, well, you know, what do you think? Okay, you know, you, you want me to start a drone program for you? It doesn't look like Prime Air. That just, they, they, they right. you know, they oh, look, we got aircraft in, and we go back to the stakeholders, the aviation stakeholders. That doesn't look like an aircraft. They may not say anything to you because they're not as outspoken as I am, but they're snickering under their breath that that's not an aircraft, that that's not, well, again, family show. Um, you know, okay, hey, you want to get into the commercial aviation world? Let's crack open the checkbook, 500 mil. I'm going to go out. We're going to find people to design you an aircraft that can do this safely and repeatably and something that's certifiable. And then we're going to go, you know, 
We're going to certify the software, DO178B or one of the variants, everything that interacts with the autopilot software, blah, blah, blah. And that might cost you more than the 500 mil to get all of the certification or whatever else. We're going to get something totally together. Then we're going to go to the FAA and the stakeholders and say, hey, we want a, we want a, a waiver to fly beyond visual line of sight to deliver our, our uh, lonesome dove DVD sets. What do you think? <laughs> no, I, I agree completely. Um, you know, the FAA has, as Gene um, noted, you know, become more flexible. And under Part 107, now it's, it's uh, doling out a lot of waivers. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think they, one of the important facets of, of that regulation is they're not requiring uh, small unmanned aircraft to be certified to manned aircraft standards, which as, as you know, w- would be really just, uh, prohibitive for, you know, small uh, companies to get involved in the industry. So they're, they're allowing commercial off the shelf consumer prosumer type drones that DJI Unique, and, and other companies are, are producing uh, that can perform commercial missions. And, and I think that was key to, you know, to, to making the industry happen. All right. Well, you're an industry guy, but, you know, so the thing is, I mean, here's my thing with Amazon, right? If Amazon doesn't try and certify their aircraft or do an equivalent level of certification or something else, I mean, the liability of, you know, being, let's say, um, you know, somebody's child or whatever getting uh, hit by an Amazon drone. I mean, what do you think the ramifications of that are going to be? You know, I, I think that they're through the micro UAS uh, aviation rulemaking committee. They looked into the probability of, you know, a small object the size of a drone, you know, hitting somebody and found that, you know, that was uh, a pretty low probability and that's what allowed them to go forward. I mean, certainly the insurance industry is getting involved because there will be, you know, third-party liability associated with operating unmanned aircraft, uh, small unmanned aircraft. Uh, So, you know, if if you want to have a viable commercial business, I think you're going to have to, you know, uh, design that to to industry standards and have insurance uh, to back you up. Oh, yeah, and in Amazon's case, probably lots of insurance, you know. Yeah. But, but again, uh, uh, you know, I I see the in terms of delivery drones, I see the model of uh, Zipline, which is delivering medicine in uh, Rwanda, and um, Flirty, which is you know demonstrated that it can um, you know make um, targeted deliveries, and and even UPS, I think, recently announced that it was making medicine deliveries off the coast of Massachusetts. I mean, I think that's where the the, the package delivery segment will go. Uh, to remote locations that are otherwise not uh, practical using manned aircraft or any other means of transportation. But, again, I, I just don't see uh, the Amazon quadcopters in your neighborhood any anytime soon. I, I don't think they are designing a quadcopter. I think it's uh, more of a multi-rotor system than, than four rotors. Well, you know, probably going to need that. But, uh, you know, even the, the medical delivery, you know, I talked to Matternet when they first started. I just was at another thing in Silicon Valley here with people that are VC uh, investors, and they were talking about that. And, you know, I have to be uh, honest. It's a great concept, but the, the aircraft have to be really reliable. You know, mm-hmm. And I've said this uh, early on and for, for many years. If you go and you're going to uh, be in um, business with pharmaceutical companies 
and you're going to deliver these things, you're going to have to deliver 99.999999% of the time because if it doesn't make it and somebody dies, you're going to get sued. And you're going to have a black eye, and people aren't going to want to deal with you. Now, even at this thing I was just at a couple weeks ago, you know, to be fair, okay, you know, these companies go out and they they go to countries where the business model is going to work. But, you know, currently in, in developing countries, they have a kid on a Chinese motorcycle. He rides around and he makes these deliveries. He also has the capability of carrying someone on the back who can inoculate, administer inoculations or draw blood, take, make tests, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, I'd ask, well, how does, you know, how does that factor in? And uh, even one woman from Singularity University said, hey, we even had to go as far and, and look at competition with a kid and a donkey. Um, you know, I mean, that's going to be hard to beat, you know, so I do think that there are some applications for that. Um, but, uh, some of that's really going to be hard to beat. Sometimes I draw the analogy between the Tom shoes, you know, Hey, we're giving free shoes to kids in the third world. Then the cobblers go out of business and his family starves and just keeps (laughs) going and giving. It has to be, you know, either profitable or foundation supported or or something. Yeah, well, that's even Zipline's got a good thing. I, I, the model to me reminds me of the shadow uh, system model, which uh, you got this big footprint and a thing drop stuff with a parachute. And I noticed they have the little V thing out on the nose. And if they're going to do that, you know, fifties down pilot pickup system or, you know. How that's all going to work, I don't know, but, you know, we'll see how this unfolds. But uh, do I think that Bill and Melinda Gates are getting their foundation money back? Not anytime soon. But anyway, whatever on that. Let's, uh, we've kind of digressed, but it still uh, is relevant to the book thing. So you mentioned a lot of people in here. It's like almost uh, going to a big, um, you know, drone get-together or show or whatever, and you've got a lot of people in here that just Hello, Patrick. I think I lost you. Yeah, I think Patrick <laughs> fell off. So let, let's go ahead and pick this up just in case uh, he has had a technical difficulty. I think what he was leading to is that uh, it was uh, a who's who of people in the book. Would you like to comment about some of the more colorful people that you, you might have uh, run into while you were doing this? Sure. Well, well, Gene, um, you have a cameo uh, mentioned in the book uh, for, for your work with uh, Texas EquiSearch. Um, and and how that uh, came to be an issue with the FAA and and I think uh, the, the the famed uh, drone attorney Brendan Schulman uh, represented Texas EquiSearch in that situation. Um, of course, Patrick is quoted uh, fairly extensively in the book. Um, and and you know, present and former FAA. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.